0: This morning we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter eighteen. The book of Genesis, chapter eighteen. It's hard to believe we've already traveled this far. We've already we've went from Genesis one now to eighteen, and we're trying to follow the leadership of the Spirit of God and and uh, preach in this. Uh, wouldn't call it a series. The correct word is expository preaching. It's uh, verse by verse or subject by subject, line by line, precept by precept, and uh, we'll do this as long as God will have us to, but it's hard to believe we've already come this far. Amen. Amen. Uh, Be much in prayer for me tomorrow evening. Brother Dean Braden invited me to come preach a night of revival at uh, Beaumont Avenue Baptist Church just down the hill, and uh, of course, uh, all of you all are invited to come, and uh, he also said if any of you singers want to come, he sure would appreciate it. So, uh, if, that's, uh, if that's you, then you uh, obey the Lord. Amen? So, uh, even if Jason wants to sing, I guess he could come and sing a solo too, but uh, <laughs> it's a joyful noise, right? It don't have to, don't have to sound good. Amen? But uh, that'll be tomorrow night. If you're unable to come, uh, do, uh, do pray for their church. Pray that God would move. If they're seeking revival, you pray for them that they'll have it, okay? Uh, I just read the other day, I think you did too, in your Bible reading, and you keep up with your Bible reading. I just want to encourage you, keep doing it. Uh, you can do it. Um, you can make it by the grace of God. So, uh, but in your Bible reading, uh, the Lord, He uh, gives water to those who are thirsty. And did you pray that they're, they're thirsty, and pray that we're thirsty too, that we might receive the good rain from the Lord. Amen. It's, uh, it's wonderful being here this morning. We prayed last Wednesday night that God would move in our service, and we, can, we, should, we should come, and we even now, if using that prayer meeting, that we know that we have petitions in heaven. We just read recently 1 John chapter 5, that if we, if we add in John 14, that if we ask anything according to his name, we have confidence that he heareth us and if we ask anything according to his name he'll give it to us according to his will and I know that's the will of God that we seek the Lord and know the Lord and it's wonderful being here this morning even while we have some folks out the Lord is here with us and we can have confidence that he's doing a work all throughout this week God's been doing things every day in our church I could tell you several things some of them are private some of them are between me and the person but God is doing wonderful things. And tonight we're going to see some fruit of that. Sister Avery's going to be getting baptized tonight. And we're thankful for what God is doing here at Westside. Amen. Genesis chapter 18, if you're there, say amen. 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 Oh, if you need directions to the church uh, or the address, holler at me after service, okay? We'll get, we'll get you the information you need. Genesis chapter 18, verse number 1. And the Lord appeared unto him... In the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. I pray thee from from thy servant." Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort you your hearts, and after that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham visited into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he haste to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning I pray that we can hear a word from you. May God, that you'd speak to us. and We know that you speak to us by your word. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts that we would open our ears, but more importantly than that, that our hearts might be open to receive the word that you've given us here this morning. Bless your church, bless your people. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today, the Lord that's never been born again, that this day would be the day, this hour would be the hour, Lord, where they repent and they believe the gospel. Lord, we're thankful for your grace and mercy throughout the week. Bless, Lord Jesus, your word. In your name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And we know there's three men, and we're going to get to this as we go along, but one of them is of greater significance. We know there's three men, but Abraham went and he bowed himself down. One of the men is what we call a theophany or a Christophany. There's debate on either one. A theophany is God manifested in an observable form, like God at the burning bush, the angel of the Lord spoke from the burning bush. Another is it's either that or a Christophany, which is an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you see in the Old Testament the angel of the Lord, that is significant. And oftentimes you'll see that it's written the angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord receives worship. All throughout the Bible, other angels appear, and they, the angel quickly, just like we'll carry on in this chapter when the two angels go to Sodom, that Lot goes to worship them, and that worship is not received. The angels are not to be worshiped. But this this one among the three is worshipped. Even in verse number 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, one of the men who was speaking to Abraham, the Lord there is is Jehovah. And so we know that this is a visitation from God to Abraham. This isn't merely, and I use this very respectfully, a run-of-the-mill angel. (laughs) This is the Lord Himself has appeared unto Abraham. And I want to preach this morning about that subject, a visit from the Lord. And what a blessed day this must have been in Abraham's life, that the Lord would visit him. And what a blessed day it is for your life, too, if the Lord has ever visited you. And if you've been born again this morning, you can say, what a blessing it was the day that the Lord Jesus visited me. And we can take that as far as we'd like. We could say, thank God, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that the Lord visited Thank God any time the Lord should visit you, it's the greatest blessing your life could ever have that God would appear to you, that God would speak to you, that God would visit you. We prayed last Wednesday night that God would do that here in this meeting, that the Lord would visit His people. And I used to pray, Lord, help me to preach, and maybe you're, you sing, and you say, Lord, help me to sing. But what we really ought to pray is this. Lord, bless us today. Lord, visit us today. What would it matter if we had all the greatest things a church could have, all the, all the necessary things according to modern terms that is believed that a church is needed to function properly? But wouldn't it be a shame to have everything like that but not have the Lord's presence? I would rather have the Lord's presence, wouldn't you, than anything in my life. It's the greatest tragedy in the world when the Lord's presence is gone. And a person should be like Abraham and scurry around and make sure, we'll get to that in a moment, Please don't leave me, please, please don't pass by. I want you to stay with me. It's a wonderful thing to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's like a singer standing to sing. I'd rather hear. I would rather hear someone who can't carry a tune in a bucket, wouldn't you? But the Lord carries them in His arms. I'd rather them be filled with the Spirit than filled with talent. I'd rather they know Jesus than they could ever know a chord. I'd rather them know Christ than anything else in the world, wouldn't you? Amen. And and we could think, well, that person knows a lot about the Bible. But do they know the God of the Bible? It doesn't matter how much somebody knows. Do they know God? That's the great question, isn't it? And maybe before we get any farther, maybe you should ask yourself that question. Do you know God? I mean, from the back row to the front row, do you know the Lord? From the youngest to the oldest, do you know the Lord? Has the Lord ever visited you? And if he has, how was your response to that great day? Whether you acted appropriately or not, he visited you, and what a great day that was, that God would pity you, and that God would pity me, and he would visit us. Amen? And that's what the Lord did to Abraham. He just visited him. Now notice how this came about in verse number 1. Abraham, he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day. In verse 2, he lift up his eyes. He might have been nodding off. That's okay, ain't it? Don't forget, Abraham was pushing 100 years old here. This is the visitation that is to tell Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have a child come, ne- come next year at this time. Abraham's getting rather old, but he's still faithful to the promises of God. Amen? And so Abraham's at the tent door, and he might have been dozing off. He might not have been. But he's sitting there, resting, from the heat of the day, and he lift up his eyes, and he looked. And notice there was, there was no forward notice of this visitation. God didn't say, hey, I'm coming at a certain time. I'm coming at a certain day. I'm going to be with you at a certain moment. The Lord doesn't have to operate that way, does he? He doesn't have to give us notice that I'm coming. I think the Lord does it the way that he chooses, according to his will. If the Lord told you today, well, I'm coming to visit your house, I wonder what you and I would clean up in our lives if the Lord told us He was coming. I wonder what we might get out of our refrigerator. Amen? I wonder what we would try to erase off our search history. I wonder what we would try to arrange if we knew the Lord was coming. There's no need fretting about that because the Lord who made eyes sees all things anyhow. Amen? And the Lord who knows all knows everything anyway. And the Lord showed up to visit Abraham. It seemed to be without notice. And so Abraham, sitting there, minding his own business, resting at the tent door, and in verse 2, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. Now I don't know how far they are off from him, but it seems to be written in a way that catches Abraham off guard, doesn't it? It seems to be that he, there was no, uh, no advance warning of this visitation. It seems to be, if I should use the word suddenly, that suddenly the Lord appeared to Abraham. That out of nowhere from Abraham's testimony, he would say, no doubt, that the Lord showed up to me suddenly. And suddenly the Lord appeared. We could say it that way. That would be correct, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, the Lord showed up. I was unprepared, and He showed up. I was living my life, and the Lord appeared to me. And you'll notice throughout the Bible, it's always this way. It's always suddenly, without warning, without notice, without a forward information, or a, 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 "I'm going to come visit you on this day and this hour." You're not. The Lord isn't your servant. The Lord can show up anytime He wants to. He could visit you any time that He wishes. And He certainly will. I was thinking while the choir was singing, at a moment, without a moment's notice, the Lord could return to His people. Without a moment's notice, the world can be in judgment. Without a moment's notice, the day of the Lord could come. Without warning, without, without any forward forecast of it at all, the Lord could just show up. You could die too, you know that at any moment. People say, well, I'm not worried about that. You could meet the Lord right now and you might not even be aware of that. You're not even promised tomorrow, are you? I think about even good old Bruce on his deathbed maybe. And if it's not now, it could be ten years from now, but that's close, isn't it? Ten years from now would be a, would be a rather short time. And thank God Bruce is doing better. You pray for him. May he receive the Lord, it seemed, at the last chapter of his life. But you're not promised a warning like that at all. God was just gracious to him and praised God for mercy. But you might not make it. It might be without warning. It could be while you're asleep. It could be on your way traveling to home today. All of a sudden, you could just visit the Lord without warning, without notice. And the arrogance of people's minds, they just live life as they are some, uh, some immortal being as if there's no appointed time of death, as if there's no day of reckoning yet to come, and people just live as if they're their own gods, their own lord, their own master, their own captain, their own leader, their own boss, their own ruler, and have no concept at all that at a moment's notice, the Lord could visit you. Suddenly, it's always that way. It was that way with Moses, wasn't it? He was tending his father-in-law's sheep and minding his own business. And all of a sudden, he saw a bush that was burning. And Moses said, I must now turn aside and see this great sight while this bush is burning and being not yet consumed. And then when he got to the burning bush, the angel of the Lord spoke to him from the burning bush. And he said, Moses, Moses, take off thy shoes for the place where thou standest is holy ground. And Moses had no idea that was going to happen to him, had no at all warning that there was going to be an amazing visitation to him that day that would change his life forever and we're going to move where he's going to live and he's going to do a completely different thing. All of a sudden, the Lord appeared unto Moses. The same thing happened to Isaiah, didn't he? was there, he was in the Spirit, he was after King Uzziah died and all of a sudden he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Without warning, without notice, the Lord appeared to Isaiah. It happened too to Matthew. Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And then suddenly the Lord Jesus appeared to Matthew and He said, follow me. It happened too with, uh, who else? John the Revelator. John the Revelator was in the the Spirit on the Lord's day and all of a sudden He heard a voice behind Him and said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It's always this way. Haven't you noticed that? Same thing with Gideon. There's another one. Gideon is threshing wheat. And he's threshing wheat behind, behind a, a f- afraid of the Midianites. And he's threshing wheat. And he, all of a sudden, the Lord appears to him and says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord appears according to his will and according to his choosing. And the Lord appeared to Abraham this day. And Abraham, I want you to notice the response. First, the Lord appeared to him. And secondly, look what Abraham did. Abraham did according... As he should. The Lord appeared to him suddenly, and Abraham responded in verse number 2, and the Bible says he ran to meet them. Have you ever noticed that you're either running away from God or you're running to the Lord? That's it, isn't it? You're either running away or you're running to. You're either heading away from God or to God. You're either uh, avoiding Him or running to Him. That's it. And I wonder what you're doing here today. I wonder what you're up to. You ever wondered that? That the Lord appeared? The Lord is here? His Word is being preached? The service has already started? Why do you think we gathered here today? Why do you think, we, why do you think Bonnie started the piano up? Why, why do we think that Jason opened us up in prayer Why do you think Bryson said all that will come to the choir? What is all this that we're doing? What are we up to here today? We want the Lord to inhabit His praises, don't we? We want the Lord to visit His people. We've gathered here today that we might visit with the Lord, that we might worship our risen Savior, because it's the Lord's Day and it's Sunday, and it is our habit being the first day of the week that we should worship our risen Savior because He arose from the dead and appeared to His disciples on the first day of the week. And we're here today on the first day of the week. Not the last day of the week. We want to start the the week off right. And we're here today on the first day of the week for what reason? Just like the early church gathered together on the first day of the week, as was their custom, because He showed up on the first day of the week and we're gathered here under the same precept we are gathered here today so the Lord might show up and visit his people and what is all this for what are we up to why did you come here today what are your intentions have you ever thought of that why did you get in your car why did you drive from your house why did you shave or take a shower and get cleaned up and dressed up? Is this just our custom? Are we just part of some, uh, some past conservative movement? Or are we here today really to meet the Lord? That He should visit us and we should run to Him and when He does it. Are we running from Him or are we running to Him? That's the question. And Abraham, praise God, he, when he saw the Lord, and somehow he knew it was the Lord, and it seems that's always the case, isn't it? When the Lord visits you, you seem to know it, don't you? When I was a young boy and the Lord spoke to me the Gospel of Christ by His Spirit through the preached Word of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, when He dealt with me and He spoke to me and He took John 3.16 and He applied it to my heart, all of a sudden, I'd never realized it before. I'd never heard it like that before. But I knew as a young boy that God was visiting me and He was drawing me by His Spirit and He was drawing me to Christ And all of a sudden for the first time I realized that Christ could be mine and I could be saved and He could be my Savior. And when He spoke to me that day in the quietness of my heart, I knew it was Him that was talking to me. I knew it was Him. And Abraham seemed to know, didn't he? And you know too, don't you? You know when He speaks to your heart. Now listen, a lot of these folks are saying they're running around. I'm not saying that he can't, and I'm not denying your experience. Where does God speak to you? He speaks to you in a place now that you can hear it and know that it's Him in your heart, in your soul, don't He? If someone said Josh out loud, I might think it was Bryson. If someone said Josh, I might confuse it with Brittany. If someone said Josh, I might confuse it with anybody speaking, but God doesn't speak so you can hear it with your ears. He speaks so you can hear it with your heart, don't He? And there, when it happens there, it cannot be confused. Some of you might be sitting here today like I was when I was a young boy, and all of a sudden God is speaking to you, and you came here without the intention necessarily to meet God, but here's how it works with Abraham, just like it worked with all the other examples I gave. It's not so much that you came here with the intention to meet God, but while you were here or where you was at, God visited you. And when He does, you're fully aware that it is Him who visits And you're unprepared for that meeting usually. You're not ready for it when it comes. And that's part of the stirring. And that's part of the recognition that it's not of man. It's not a human appointment. And what's great about the omnipotent, omniscient God is that He can do it anywhere He chooses. He visited Abraham in his home. He's visited some of you at work. He's visited some of you at church. Some of you in the driveway. Some of you on your lawn mower. Some of you while you're getting your hair fixed. He can do it anywhere, anytime, at any moment because He's God. and He doesn't need your permission to approach you. He doesn't have to tap lightly at your door to visit you at your home. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. And He can be anywhere at any time. My grandfather was born again in a bathroom. James Pascal and probably Nema's watching. The Lord visited him while he was asleep. And Nema woke up in the middle of the night and heard her grown husband begging God for mercy on his knees by the side of the bed. Anywhere, any time, any moment, the Lord can visit. Now don't act like that's a bad thing. That is the greatest thing that could ever happen to anybody that the Lord would visit. What grace God has offered to people that He would visit. Let's oh a big example. Acts chapter number nine. Saul of Tarsus on his way to Damascus with warrants in hand, and there is the word that I that I suggested as a description of God approaching Abraham. It's in Acts chapter nine, and Paul Saul is minding his own business, going his own way, choosing his own will, doing what he wants to do, and then suddenly. There was a light that shined from heaven. Suddenly, right? You see, and I understand why people say it, because we're speaking from our human experience, that I came to Jesus. Yes, you did. But Jesus came to you. And therefore you came to Jesus. I bet Moses was like, you found me all the way out here. I mean, I was running from Egypt because I killed an Egyptian. I self-exiled myself. I'm actually, God, living in a place where nobody can find me. I, on purpose, avoid all human interactions. I am running for my life, and you found me here. You didn't have to Google me. You didn't have to search me on Facebook. You didn't have to try to find my Twitter handle. You didn't have to know that my neighbors didn't know. I went ghost on everybody. I changed addresses. I even married into another family. I left all behind. I was running for my life. How did you find me here? God can find you anywhere. He can find you in the jailhouse. Amen? He can find you in the church house. He can find you anywhere. David said, Whithersoever shall I flee from his presence? If I take up wings as a bird, can I fly away from him? Can I ever outrun him? Can I ever hide from him? No. No. Y'all got Friend Finder on your iPhone? Brittany's got me on, I got her too. Last night, because Dean called me, and this is what normally happens, and that's by the grace of God, so Dean and I realized I have an appointment to preach, and so immediately, and I got the phone and I prayed, and I asked God to help me, because I don't want to run over there and say Josh's message, because they, they never work, and I want God to help me, and the only thing I know to do, Jason, is just pray about it and ask God to help me, and trust Him. And it's like it normally does. If God lines up an appointment, He's already working in advance. And He's not going to send His servants on some fool's errand. And I sure ain't talking about me. I'm talking about the awesomeness of God using the ignorance of man. God wouldn't do that unless it's been arranged. And so I pull over on the side of the road. I'm working on a sermon bill. And I pulled over at a tire shop. and I, Because you shouldn't text and drive. And I'm writing down a passage and some thoughts in my heart on the notes in my phone. And then Brittany texted me and said, are you at a tire shop? <laughs> I was. I was in a parking lot of a tire shop. Friend finder. But do you know that God's had that from the beginning? Suddenly, the Lord appeared to Abraham. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Praise the Lord for the visitation of His people. I say this a lot. Here's what happens to us we're living our own life, we're doing our own thing, and it's your way. All we like sheep have turned astray. You didn't think about that. All of us are running from God naturally. All we like sheep have turned astray. We've turned every one into our own way. We're doing our own thing. And God, if you're here today and you're born again, it's only because of the grace and the mercy of God that He intersected your life, literally, stood in your path and said, "How you come to me. You come to me. You didn't seek God. He sought you. You didn't try to understand Him because there is none that understandeth. No, not one. Abraham is visited from God. Are you still with me? We're going we're to finish her up. Abraham, in response to God's visitation, the sheer act of God's eternal mercy, that's it. The Lord visited Abraham. The Lord knew. Abraham knew it was the Lord. You know when it is. Say so describe that. I I can't really, but you know. Don't you? You know. You you pray for my youngest daughter. You know Avery's getting baptized today, and I appreciate it, Madison. And it's a good desire, Madison. Madison said, I want to be a Christian too. (sighs) And I told her, well, you'll know, you'll know. Because she will when it's time. She'll know. Maybe you're here this morning and you know what I'm talking about and you haven't received the Lord yet as your Savior. And you know what I'm talking about. I told her, you'll know. And I believe this is what Avery said. She said, the Lord will tell you something like that. Already, 20 minutes after a new birth, Avery is saying, You'll know when. You'll know. Abraham ran to meet them. When the Lord visits you, do like Abraham did, he ran to meet them. Ran. You're either running to Him or running away. This morning, you need to run to meet Jesus. I mean, don't grab nothing. It'll slow you down. Hence, repentance. Nothing will fit through the narrow gate. You don't have time. You need to run to meet the Lord now. If He's visiting you, you run to Him. Notice what Abraham did when he got there. He's not a narcissist. He's approaching God the right way. Abraham didn't say, thank you for visiting me today. It's a, I'm glad you got to see me. And a lot of people come to church that way, don't they? Glad you got to see me today. Hey, we're not here to see you. you. Abraham didn't say, well, you came to see me among all of these, and you came to see me? Wow, I must be something. And you know, that's what some professing Christians think. They think they're something because they're saved. You're saved because you were nothing. You're saved because you were a vile, disgusting, nasty wretch, and your sins stunk in the nostrils of a living God. You're saved because of the sheer mercy of the Gospel. Abraham didn't say, oh, you've come to visit me. I was flattered you'd come. No, what did he do? He bowed himself, verse 2, toward the ground. Toward the ground. got on his knees and put his face in the ground. You know what he's saying? His posture is saying this, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I am humbled that you would stoop and condescend yourself to visit someone like me. I can't even believe that you would consider me. That's the attitude of his heart. And lastly, look what he does. From verse 4 to 8, he's, verse 3, he says, pass. Not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. From verse four to eight. After that, he's like, "Let me get you a little water and wash your feet. Let, let, why don't you rest under this tree? Let me get some bread. My wife will make you some bread. Let me get you some eat, some something to eat. We'll have veal. We'll have lamb steaks. He, he sent his servant to go get one, to, to go cook and prepare for it. Here, he sit by this tree in the shade and eat. And notice he stood." by them under the tree in verse number 8 he's waiting on them he's making sure that everything that they have they get you know what Abraham's doing he's saying "I, I don't ever want you to go I don't ever want you to leave he's opening up his home or heart and he's saying please make your visitation permanent I don't want you going anywhere. You came to visit me, bowed himself to the ground, ran out to meet him, and he's doing everything as hospitably as he can, and he's saying, please stay with me. Please. That's the attitude of every heart that receives the Lord. That's the attitude of the hearts that run to God. Now I'm closing this morning, and I'm trusting God that He'll do something. And I've preached the sermon that God gave me. And I'm trusting that God, I'm trusting not that He is our servant. I'm trusting that this is the will of God discovered through the Word of God. And I can't stir up some human heart. Listen to me. I can't stir up your heart. And I'm not going to play with your emotions either. We don't want emotional converts, do we? We want people to know God. Now I'm not saying there's not emotions that come along with that. There certainly is. I mean, you meet the risen Savior, there is going to be some emotions, absolutely. But what we want is that people know God. And I'm not going to manipulate anybody or try to trick anybody, because this is it. We are trusting God to do a work that humans cannot do, that preachers cannot do. Preachers should be meek and humble because they are calling people to Jesus Christ and they are absolutely helpless to what God is doing in that person's heart. Now here's the gospel. Jesus loves you. God loves you. God sent His Son. The Lord Jesus lived a perfect life. He did it though He might rescue you. He is on words where He's given His life up for you. Now if you'll lose your life for His sake, you will find it. And how do you lose your life for the sake of Christ? You receive His death upon you. And you die. That's the end. You die and you live a new life in Jesus Christ because He's alive and He arose from the dead. And if you come to Jesus Christ this morning, it is the end of you. And Christ is asking you to forsake yourself to deny yourself, to turn from yourselves and believe on Him for everlasting life. Now here's the Gospel. Whoever receives Him will have power to become the sons of God. And I told Bruce, and I told another lady yesterday over there in Powell, I told her, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Paul prefaces that statement with this. Here is the word of faith that we preach, and I'm through, listen carefully. We don't have to go up to the heavens and try to get Christ to visit us from there. We don't have to go down to the depths of the ocean and try to bring Christ up from the depths of the sea. No, Paul said, the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth, the word of faith that we preach. What does that mean? That He is near. That He is near. That He is available. That He is approachable. And today you can have Him. Today He could be yours. Now you can either run from Him... Or you could run. I would. Because so what are you leaving behind? Trash, death, misery, narcissism, self love that will only produce more misery. There's a way that seems right to you, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They say, I'm young and strong. Yeah, I've seen a lot of young and strong people die early. I've seen a lot of young and strong people grow weak and weary, and before you know it, young person, you're going to be balding. Before you know it, you're going to have a knee replacement. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day. He is near to anyone who will call upon Him. And so while He's here, you should run to Jesus. You should run. Let's stand to our feet.